It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. All right, welcome in to Crunch Time Plays. You can follow along with us on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Also, you can watch the show on YouTube by subscribing to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. You can follow the show on social media at Plays Crunch, and you can follow me on social media at Shotgun726. And we've got an exciting show for you today. College baseball's in full swing, and Major League Baseball's about ready to ramp up the season. And we're so delighted to have Danny Wexelman with us today to talk all things baseball. Danny, how are you? And thanks for coming on. I'm great, dude. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here to start off. Do you have any? Do you have anybody that you want to roast like Wendy's roasted the Tampa Bay Rays? <laughs> Who do I want to roast? Um, <clears throat> man, uh, that's a great question. At the top of the show, man, coming in hot. It's it's <laughs> nine a.m. Who do I want to roast? Uh Maybe I want to roast the guy at Chick-fil-A who got my order wrong, like who, who forgot to put the sauce that I wanted in my bag. Can I roast that person? Is hey, that appropriate? I'm, hey, I mean, that's definitely appropriate because Chick-fil-A normally doesn't mess up an order. Yeah. So any anytime they mess up an order, that, that requires a roast in my book. Only a sauce. It was only a sauce. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad well what, what what did you what did you make of that roast by wendy's I, I thought that was really well done i loved it i think they are so clever i started following them a long time ago just because they are so clever online and you know social media is so uh selfish and me based and they just are giving it to everybody so i love what they do i think they're so clever whoever runs the account deserves a lot of money a lot of money <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And want to start off with you in college baseball. I know um, you cover a lot of that as well as as well as major league. But so we got five, the SC. We start off with the SEC in college baseball is pretty strong. Really top five mm-hmm. is is SEC teams. Just what have you seen from from those teams so far, and and what you think about the co- conference as a whole. I mean, per usual, the conference is living up to its reputation. And I think you got to look at Arkansas to start everything off. I know they had their first loss to Louisiana Tech over the weekend, shut out a complete game by their pitcher. And you come out against a team who's number one, who's undefeated, who's rocking a lineup top to bottom that has zero holes, their rotation. I think they're still looking for... Um, another bona fide arm in their rotation, but Arkansas top to bottom is spotless. And it was pretty cool to see Louisiana Tech come out and get that win. But top to bottom, the SEC continues to dominate. Obviously, Vanderbilt is another team that we are always talking about. They're one to punch the top. I'm obsessed with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. I mean, you just really can't ask for more. And it's so funny because I feel like I know it's only spring training right now, but I do feel like people are paying way more attention because those guys are in the game. You have Jaden Hill for LSU. That guy is a bona fide pitcher. He's super cool. I talked to him 
a few months ago on a podcast I have with Perfect Game. He's a really cool guy. So top to bottom, I mean, the SEC is just dominant per usual, and it's awesome to see. I mean, you're getting you got guys back, right? Um, Tommy Mace at Florida. You wouldn't have gotten Tommy Mace back if if I think it was a regular draft a regular year, non-pandemic year. Um, so I think top to bottom, it, it, baseball is just better in general this year, and it's awesome to see. How much did COVID affect guys' decisions to go into the draft straight out of high school? I know being here in South Carolina, they have a, a relief pitcher in Will Sanders who probably would have been a first-round pick had he chose to to go out, but instead he decided to come to South Carolina. What What type of impact did COVID have on those decisions? It's so interesting to see, and I think we're going to see the effects of it for a really long time, but I'll give you an example of a guy, Christian Little, who I think as the pandemic started to roll on, he's a St. Louis kid. He at one point was the number one pitcher and player in the country in his class. He graduates early from CBC um, in St. Louis and he's committed to Vanderbilt. And in the summer, at some point I started to see online he was talking with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's already on campus at Vanderbilt. And I'm like, what's going on? I text his dad and he's like, we're going to make a decision soon. And I was like, oh, so this is a thing. This is in play that you could have a guy who would get drafted significantly high, decide to go to school, just like Kumar did, just like Jack Leiter did. And Christian Little ends up on campus early at Vanderbilt. He got his first win a few weeks ago. And I think what we saw was not only the D1 rosters are overstuffed right now, which I think is tough because you have freshmen coming in who might not have been on campus and two aren't starting because now you have a super senior who's there, who knows how to play. And they didn't get drafted because it was down to five. So you've got the guys who who are younger who would have gotten drafted and older who would have gotten drafted both coming back to those rosters. But you're also seeing at the junior college level as well, those rosters are double stuffed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys who might've said, Hey, I want playing time. I'm going to leave my D one program and go to that junior college. Can't do that this year because those rosters are full to the brim. There's no wiggle room at all. So it's actually a tough spot. I think that for someone like Christian little, who might not have gotten the development he wanted. Um, It's a great option for him to be able to go to school. I feel for the class of 2019 and the class of 2020, those draft guys who didn't get the development years that they needed. I think we're going to see some repercussions of that, but I think it's also a really great thing because you did get guys back on campus who you got for another year and guys you would have never seen on campus or seen play a college game. We, we talk about that all the time, right? Like those, like Bobby Witt Jr. would have loved to see him go to school, right? Could you imagine him crushing? I can't because he was destined to be drafted and be just a superstar right away. But it's interesting to see. I'm hoping things get sorted out in the next few years and, and there's some roster relief at those levels. I want to expand the, the Vanderbilt conversation with you for just a second, because it's, it's really fascinating to me. Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter may be the top two picks in this year's draft. Have we ever seen that before where a team has the, not to mention pitchers. I mean, you see, you know, position players getting drafted really high and all that, but for pitchers specifically, have we ever seen anything like that where the possible first and second pick could be from the same team? Pretty cool, right? To think about that that could happen. I, to my knowledge, cannot think 
when that's happened. I would have to go back and look. My um, my depth of knowledge doesn't go back that far, but I will tell you, um, looking into it a little bit with Kumar, there's only been two African-American pitchers drafted number one overall in the history of the major league draft. So Kumar would be number three. David Price was the last guy from Vanderbilt, if you remember. So there's, um, there's a lot of ties. There's a lot of excitement there. I think that they could, I don't know if they will. I think, I think Jordan Lawler out of Texas is really special. And I think that, that he could snag one of those spots, but I definitely think one of those guys will be drafted one and one and they deserve it. Look what they're doing. I mean, it is like child's play watching them pitch. I'm like, how old are you? I I don't even, I can't comprehend how good Kumar has a 0.00 ERA right now through 28 innings pitched, I think this season so far. Yeah. It's going to be a really exciting weekend too, because you got Vanderbilt in South Carolina this weekend and, and Are you going? No, it's, it's in Nashville, but oh, it's at Vanderbilt. Okay, yeah, but it's um, South Carolina has two top pitchers as well, and Thomas Farr and Brandon Jordan. But that's going to be a heck of a two matchups of Rocker and Farr, and then Lighter and Jordan this weekend. It's awesome, so absolutely. I mean that you really can't go wrong in the SEC with pitching matchups. There's just so many, so many great players in there. Absolutely. No, I think people are spoiled. And it's funny because everyone will always ask, you know, what about the other conferences? The other conferences have a lot of really great players and arms. I talked about Kevin Abel the other day with Oregon State. I mean, he's part of the reason that they're climbing the rankings right now. There's no doubt about that. They're a really great program, but Kevin Abel coming back from Tommy John looks incredible and he's doing a really fantastic job. Um, Boston College as well. They are, you know, they're a team that I think not a lot of people are are counting in too much, but they are great Dukes program. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of great schools in the ACC, in the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10. I mean, they're there, but at the end of the day, the SEC is just this, like, you know, everyone's here. I think the SEC is like here. It seems like to me that whenever we get down to the crunch time, we get down to the postseason, we can pretty much, I mean, it doesn't really matter which conference a team is in. We can pretty much just throw away the paper and just mm. just watch some ex- exciting college baseball because you really don't know what's going to happen. It's pretty cool, right? It's the same with March Madness. Everyone starts with a zero win, zero loss record. And the postseason is such a special time. And you really got to show up. And it's the people who can show up, who can endure, who have more gas in the tank, who prepared their bodies for this moment mentally, physically, and really just realize that you can't take one second for granted once you get to that point, once your record's all clear. And it's really special. I'm excited they'll get back to Omaha this year. And I, you know, I'm hoping to be there. I I just hope that everyone can get there. I hope that they can stay safe and healthy and rosters will remain the way that they are. And and people can go and enjoy one of the best sporting events. I think there is ever. Oh yeah. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And college world series is, is second to none. And I wanted to ask you about, I saw um, something about mid majors uh, last week in college baseball and just talking about the big South. They, USC Upstate beat Clemson last week, twelve to two, and it sparked kind of a debate on kind of mid-major baseball. And 
whether or not you can have an elite team that's also part of a mid-major like Coastal Carolina, for example, that won the mm-hmm. national championship in 2016. Where do you kind of stand on that? Do you think we could have elite powers still, but also still be in a mid-major? Well, you know, what I think is really special is the pandemic is allowing that to happen. And while there were so many terrible things that came from last year and really hard things, as you can hear some birds chirping in the background, (laughs) I think what the pandemic did, as I talked about earlier, was give guys and give rosters and mid-major teams a chance to compete with the big dogs. And you're seeing super seniors come back. You're seeing guys go to those schools who wouldn't normally have been on campus wearing a uniform and it makes it really special and they can compete and they are right there neck and neck because you need experience after something like a pandemic, which none of us have ever experienced in our whole lives. You need a guy to be back on campus. Who's like, here's how we we get it done. Here's how it's done here at our school. So let's make it happen. And I think that that contributes to a mid-major being able to show up, show out, be competitive and be in the conversation. You just got to be in the conversation, right? And once you get to that regional, if you make it that far, once you, if you win your conference or however you may make it into those regionals, who cares after that? No one cares where you're from, what your team is. If your team's good, your team's good. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about that. And talking to Danny Waxman, you've seen her covering baseball in a lot of different outlets and moving over to, to the major league side of things. Now we got, Let's do it. got opening day coming up here in a couple of weeks and looking at the looking at the kind of the World Series odds kind of kind of a 30,000 foot overview here before the season <laughs> starts it seems like the Dodgers are kind of the prohibitive favorite I mean they you know won it all last year and then they go out and sign Trevor Bauer I mean the rich keep getting richer but what what are your thoughts on the Dodgers this year and and whether or not they can win the World Series I think that any team who wins a World Series always has great odds the next year because you have momentum, you have experience, you know what it feels like, sounds like, smells like compared to everybody else. You know, you and that one other team that made it, you're the only ones who know what that feels like and what the Dodgers did being able to go out and get Trevor Bauer. I didn't see it coming. I definitely thought he was going to the Mets or the Angels. I didn't think he was going to go to the Dodgers. And it, wouldn't, it shouldn't be any surprise, right? Trevor Bauer does what he wants to do. And he likes to surprise people. He likes that surprise factor. But um, top to bottom, they continue to just be a force, especially in the NL West, if you look at that division. I will say, I know we're talking about the Dodgers, but I'm pretty high on the Padres. I think what they did, even if it wasn't an eye for an eye, to what the Dodgers did after, it doesn't matter. I think that the Padres are super hyped right now. And you saw what Tatis was able to do coming back in spring training. I think it was just a few days ago, you know, from when we're recording this. And that team is super special. And they have a chip on their shoulder. And when you play with a chip on your shoulder, you play with something that no one else has. It's intangible and it's special. So while I think the Dodgers can easily repeat. I think that the Dodgers can contend every year. It's not just their major league team. It's their farm system as well. Like the depth is so stupid. So I think that, yeah, of course, they're definitely going to be in the conversation. The odds should be high in, in their favor because they're a good team. They are. They have talented people at every single position and in their rotation as well. But what the Padres were able to do, I'm pretty high on it. I wanted to expand the the Tatis conversation with you here for just a second. So he 
obviously signs that massive, immensely large deal during the offseason. And it seems like a lot of guys, they come back from something like that and they're like, oh, okay, I don't, I can relax. I don't have to play as hard. I got, got some money guaranteed. What does that say about him and his character that he's able to come back with such a chip on his shoulder like he has in spring training? And will that carry over into the regular season? Well, he's 22 years old. So while I totally agree with you that normally a guy would sign it and then be like, okay, my work here is done, which to be honest, I don't know if many guys would do that. I think that these guys really love the game. And when they get a contract like that, I think it, it still motivates them a ton. I think it's pretty rare for a guy to kind of fluff off, but He's 22 years old and the dude is a powerhouse and a force to be reckoned with. And I, I think that people saw this coming. That's the thing at the end of the day. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. The contract is a surprise. I think the ink is still drying from the contract, but like no one's surprised and he's so special. And it, I, I love the fact that it's the Padres who aren't big flashy payroll team like the Dodgers are like the the Yankees are, like the Mets have been this offseason. They're the Padres. They normally stay under the the threshold, but they went out and did something really special for this player who's a once in a generational talent. You know, I saw on MLB.com today, I haven't read the article, but it's uh, talking about Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, and Juan Soto. And we'll, we'll get to watch those guys play for the next decade. And they all deserve monster contracts. That guy wants to be in San Diego. He wants to represent San Diego. He wants a statue next to Tony Gwynn and he can have it. He can have it all. If he plays the way he does every day for the next 10 years, easy as that he'll have some good money in his pocket and be really proud of where it comes from and, and what he's been able to do. I think it's freaking awesome. And I wish we saw more of it. I wish that people would dig in their pockets a little bit more and pay these guys. They get paid a lot of money. Like, don't get me wrong. They get, stupid money like monopoly money but when you have someone like this lock him up keep him there give him the money he deserves it makes the game more fun we are certainly in for a treat here in the next 10 years watching Tatis and Acuna and Juan Soto play I mean the three one three of the best players in the game and it's it's just so exciting to watch them play it absolutely is I mean and I think what's cool too is they represent different parts of the the league, right? You've got Soto on the East Coast, you've got Acuna Jr. down in the South, and then you've got Tatis on the West Coast. And I don't think people realize, but that's that's maybe kind of the difference between college baseball and major league baseball is that these guys are all spread out and the talent is spread out in every single region as where college baseball is a little more um, within, right? The SEC, we're in the, in the Southeast. We are, we are, you know, in that area, but uh, with major league baseball, you're all spread out. So we, we are in for a treat and these guys are awesome. They deserve every good thing coming their way. They've put in the work, they've done it the right way. And I, I am super stoked. We're spoiled. And I hope, I hope, you know, we get to see a show. I hope that they stay healthy and, uh, you know, it's just a win-win for everybody. Hey, there's no doubt about that. And they 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 certainly spoiled us over the past few years, and they'll continue to spoil us for the years to come if they can stay healthy. And I wanted to ask you about the Braves for a second. I know they came up a little bit short in Game 7 last year in the NLCS, but what kind of odds do you give them kind of give them getting back to that point? And you know, Brian Snicker, he's the 
odds on favorite for NL manager of the year kind of here early. And, and just talk about him also. I mean, lifelong brave. He's dedicated himself to the Braves organization and to the game of baseball. So what do you see from the Braves? They're so special and they play with a fire and a passion that a lot of teams don't have. That A lot of teams are missing. And I think that a large part of that is from Ronald Acuna. I think he is a part of the heartbeat of that team. Ozzie Albies, you've got Freddie Freeman, who has really just blossomed, right? The dude has just come into his own MVP, NL MVP, like just extremely special in his own. And that team and that division, I think that like Braves fans can maybe see getting back to the old winning ways, winning that division every single year, you know, starting to win the pennant a lot more. I think that those expectations are extremely realistic. I mean, look, the Mets did come in and and make a pretty big splash this year. But when you look at that division, I think that the the Braves are eons ahead and and they've laid the foundation. They've played with, with this team, right? This group of guys for a while now and Snit leading the way you couldn't ask for a better guy. I think that they're really special. I love them. I love watching them play. I think people forget about them. Um, ironically, because they're not on a coast and they're kind of just mixed in, right? It happens a lot. We see that with a lot of guys, but I, I think that the way that they've marketed themselves and the way that the players market themselves, you can fall in love a lot easier if you're not in the state surrounding the state and you don't know them, but I think they make it really easy for you to love them. So I, I think they're fantastic. I think that they've laid the foundation for years now. They may have fallen short last year, but I think that they're going to be in contention and be a part of that picture every single year for a long time. Well, they're going for their fourth division title in a row. And I, agree, I definitely agree with you about uh, them being overlooked a little bit because they're you're right. They're not on the coast. And it seems like they've really been trying to include, um, you know, the Carolinas and st- the whole state of Georgia to kind of be – Braves country, if you will. And I want to ask you about Chipper Jones for a second. He is obviously a Hall of Famer and he gets hired on as the part-time hitting coach for the Braves. But one mm-hmm. thing that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that I wanted to get your thoughts on is he is able to give left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters advice because he's a switch hitter. He knows both sides of the plate. He's able to give advice from the both sides of the plate. What kind of advantage is that to have somebody that versatile that he's able to give not only left-handed hitters, but right-handed hitters as well, a bunch of advice? I mean, you can't monetize it. You can't put a number on it, what he's able to do. I think he's so relevant right now. And the way he played the game is so relevant right now. Just hard-nosed, grinder, dirt bag, whatever adjective you want to use to describe the guy, he is it. And there are a lot of kids coming up now who are switch hitters who realize the value that that gives them. Hitting is really hard. Being a hitter is is one of the hardest things I think you can do in any sport. Um, you have, I think it's like under three seconds to decide what's coming your way. So if you can hit from both sides of the plate and have a guy like Chipper Jones teaching you the ways, whatever advantage you can take you take it. So if that, that makes you 1% better then damn, you are so lucky to have a guy like him in your arena, helping you do that because it is so difficult to hit a ball. So if you give yourself a chance to go to the other side of the plate and maybe do it there, 
the better for you, right? Like that just gives you a little bit of an edge that someone else doesn't have if they're not learning, but he makes the game better. He makes people better. And I th- I wish we had more guys coming back to do that and to kind of give back to the game in that way um, because they know, they know how to win. They know what it takes to be a champion and he does. And and to give back to the game in that way, he's so special. I, I love what he's doing and I hope he continues to do it. I, I'm sure that there are some bright <laughs> excuse me, bright, bright things in his future. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to ask you about the American, switching over to the American League side for a second. Who mm-hmm. you think the favorite is there? I know the Yankees are going to be really good as always. The Rays coming off that World Series loss. We mentioned them at the top. And then I think the, the Twins and the White Sox, are go, for the first time, the White Sox are going to think going to be relevant here for the first time in, in, in a few years. So what do you see mm-hmm. from that side and, how, what would it take for somebody like Minnesota or Chicago to kind of knock the Yankees off there? Man, I have my eyes on the White Sox. No question about it. I think that they are just about to obliterate their division. I think the Rays are still really special despite losing some arms, Snell and Morton. I think they love being the underdog and they thrive in that situation. People are like, how do the Rays keep competing? Well, because they have really good players. They're they're not necessarily the Oakland A's of the East, but kind of like that, right? They're finding these gems, they're trading for gems, and they get these guys who maybe are being overlooked in other areas, but the Rays know how to utilize them and use them. And they're also pretty high on the opener blah, blah, blah. But the White Sox, the Rays, I think are, are probably my two favorites in the AL um, off the bat. And I like Liam Hendricks coming to the Midwest. I think it, he's, he's so he's a character. He is just a character. And I think his larger than life personality along with Tim Anderson and someone like that. And then that their team, the, the youth of that team of that White Sox team, they're ready they're about to come on and just freaking blow everyone out of the water, I think. And, and you know, Tim Anderson the other day, there were the best team in the American League. You need a guy to say something like that. You need a leader on your team who knows it, believes it, lives it, smells it, breathes it, everything in between. So to have a leader like him, I think that he makes that T is the X factor for that team. And I think that they are, are just um, – they're going to come in and no one should be surprised. I think whatever the White Sox do this season, no one should be surprised unless they tank. I would be surprised. And then the Rays, I just, I love that everyone counts them out all the time. And I think that being in that division is really tough. And I'm sure some days they wish that they could switch divisions and play somewhere else. I think they would be super dominant if they were in the NL East. I think that if they were in the NL East, the the picture would be a lot different. And I think that, that they could dominate in that space, but they're not, they're in the AL East. That's where they are. And that's where they're going to be until someone decides that we're going to switch up the divisions again. Right. But I I think those two teams are great. What's interesting though, I will tell you, I think a lot of years that the American league is a lot stronger top to bottom, but I, I think I could maybe make the case this year that the national league has kind of stepped up and, and really gotten some high caliber players to come over and play in the national league. And it's really special. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see the national league kind of shine a little bit more this year, maybe than the American league. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's more of a, of an even, even balance this year between the national league and the American league and, and the national league may be a little bit ahead this year. And you mentioned the opener for the Rays. that kind of brings in the whole, the whole analytics debate, 
Uh, where do you kind of stand on that? How, how do you like, do you like the opener uh, not having pitchers go more than one time through the lineup and, and what, what's kind of that balance like for a manager? Because we hear it all the time about numbers and analytics and, and launch angles and different things like that. How, mm-hmm. how do managers kind of view that? Whereas during a game, they're kind of having to manage it based on their gut. Like what, what do you think the balance is there? Well, there's two sides to it. Number one, if I'm a fan and I'm coming out to see Tyler Glass now pitch, I'm going to be pissed if I pay whatever for a ticket. I don't care if it's $10 or $100. And I only see Tyler Glass now throw an inning. I'm going to be really pissed as a fan. I want to see Tyler Glass now throw a complete game shutout. But I do think that teams need an edge and teams need to find whatever is special to them to win games. If it is this really clever, unique way of using a guy as an opener to bring in the next guy to throw teams off, then I'm okay with it. I I enjoy watching managers play chess. I, I don't love the DH in both leagues, but I like it. I like watching the chess game that does happen when you have to take the pitcher out and move people around. But I did really enjoy watching the DH in the National League this year. So I could be turned that way. But yeah, when you have a team who's using an opener or or playing the game in a different way, I think it's really interesting. I think it helps us not be so set in our ways of like old curmudgeon baseball, right? Get off my lawn baseball. And if that helps you win the game and you get to the World Series, then who cares how you did it? Right. I do think, though, at the core of the game, I, I want to see a guy. I, I think I think a starter, a guy who's inherently a starter, wants to get in the game and have the ball as long as he can. Could you imagine Clayton Kershaw going in for the first inning of the game and then coming out? You couldn't you would you could never Max Scherzer. You could never, never. Oh, my gosh. I think that hell would freeze over before that happened with those guys. But you have really talented pitchers in Tampa Bay and that's happening with them. What do they think? I don't know. I don't think it matters because they're getting paid and they're pitching and that's what their manager and their team has decided is the best way for them to win games. It's interesting. It's different. I'm open-minded to it. But again, if if I pay to see Tyler Glass now pitch, I'm going to be pissed if he goes one inning. That's my thoughts on it. (laughs) I wanted to ask, you brought up the DH. I wanted to ask you about that as, as the last thing for you. I know you, you say you, you like the DH in both leagues. Mm-hmm. How does that impact the lineup? Like, how did that impact kind of lineups in the, the National League? Because a lot of people thought that we there was a good chance that we could see a universal DH this year. And I know the, Bra- the Braves signed Marcelo Zuna back with, with that with that kind of thought. And, and now right. he's going to have to play left field uh, most of the time, probably, if he wants to, to be in the lineup every day. But how does that impact the lineup? I know a lot of guys, it seems like before in baseball we had, oh, our our cleanup hitter has to be our best hitter. But now mm-hmm. it seems like the game has kind of shifted to where their their teams are putting their best hitters at second and third in the lineup so they can see more pitches and also have more RBI opportunities. Does the How does the DH affect that lineup? Because I know the Braves were trying to decide whether to put Freddie Freeman at two or three in their mm-hmm. lineup. How, do, how does kind of having the DH affect where you put that best hitter in your order? 
That's such a good question. Well, let's talk about it from the field perspective first. I think when you are able to use a DH, then you can have your best position players in the field playing in those spots. And you're no doubt about it guy, you know, can make the play, can run, can dive, can do everything. You don't have to question it are on the field and you don't have to put him in the lineup if his bat stinks, but you can put him in the field when it comes to the roster construction with the DH. I think it gives you flexibility. And I think that it lets you utilize guys a lot more and whoever might be hot or have a day um, allow them to continue to be that way and not worry about playing the field and stink. I think that people don't realize how, how much mental strength it takes if you're not having a day in the field to go to the plate and hit the ball. So it kind of relieves maybe a guy who stinks um, using that word a lot, but a guy who who's not playing up, you know, hitting at his potential to kind of just like, take a second, breathe, just go play your position. I I kind of like the idea of letting him go do that. That's your job. That's the only thing you have to worry about today. And let some guy go in and mash for you and be the hitter and be the bat that you can't be on that day. And plus like everyone wants to see balls in play. Everyone wants to see action. Let these guys get in there and then construct your roster around them, wherever you want to put them and change it up. And it just gives you a lot more flexibility. I think, I think it's a pro for both leagues. I think, you know, I like to see Madison Bumgarner swing. I'm not going to lie. I like to see Zach Greinke swing. I do. I think Zach Greinke's chasing um, 10 and 10 right now in his career. I saw 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases. I think he's close. I, I want to see him do that. So this year might be his last year to have the chance to do that. And it's cut in half because he's playing for an American League team. He's only going to get maybe not even half the games. And how many games does he pitch in those games, right? He might get, I don't know, let's say two games to try and do that. So maybe eight at bats, maybe, maybe not even that many to, to achieve something like that. But at the end of the day, do I care if Zach Greinke gets that? Does that change his hall of fame, um, you know, credentials? No, but I think it, it makes it more interesting. I like weird baseball. I like things like that. I like the DH. I, I think that eventually it'll go universal. And I think that the union will fight for that. And I think with the new CBA coming up, I think you're going to see that in there. And I can't imagine it ever going back to half and half. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of the universal VH, but I will say that it's, it is really exciting to watch a pitcher get up there and hit a whole run. It is right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm never mad about it, honestly. But when you think about it, I mean, how, how many times do they do it? They don't do it enough to justify letting them do it at the end of the day where, while it's entertaining. And I think it was just a part of the game, right? We say that all, it's just part of the game and we don't think about how it impacts the game. Well, if we really think about how it impacts the game, I think the DH is the way to go. And if we want fans to be entertained, if we want the game to be entertaining, people to buy more tickets, people to buy jerseys, Um, if we want the game to advance, I think that the DH has to be a must in both leagues. Yeah. I mean, I I think so too. It's going to be exciting. The opening day kicks off here in a couple weeks and just can't thank you enough for coming on today, Danny. I know you're, you got a lot of stuff on your plate and tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, and what work you got coming up. Oh, you're so nice, dude. I really appreciate you having me. You adjusted your schedule for me. We woke up early to do this. I'm I'm so happy to always talk baseball, especially in the morning. Um, I'm at Danny Wex on social and 
Um, I'm hosting Sirius XM MLB Network Radio this Thursday. Actually, it's the Indian Spring Training Day. So I'll host that with Jim Duquette. And it'll be a summer of a lot of uh, high school and college baseball, hopefully covering the future of the game. So I really, really appreciate you having me on and, and talking baseball, Bennett. Oh, you're welcome. And you're more than welcome to come back anytime. want to get you back here uh, soon to talk some more baseball with you. But I uh, hope you stay safe and well and have a safe trip back to New York if I don't talk to you again and, and stay safe and well. And we'll look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you so much. All right, that was Danny Wexelman. You know her from MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. She also does a lot with baseball, high school prospects, college baseball, Major League Baseball. She does it all, and and she also does some Major League Rugby and, and lacrosse as well. So she is multifaceted, that's for sure, and we're just so thankful that she was able to spend some time with us today. It's almost time to get out of here. Thank you so much for checking out Crunch Time Plays today. We've got the best in sports media, players and coaches from football, basketball, baseball, golf, and NASCAR. And we've got more exciting stuff coming up. We've got some great episodes on the way with Chrissy Freud. She's quarterback guru for the Draft Network. We're going to get into NFL draft quarterbacks with her and also some LSU topics as well. We've got Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports on the way. We're going to talk college football coaching hires with him. We've got Corey Seeley from Coast to Coast Scouting. We're going to talk MF, or excuse me, NFL draft prospects with him. We've got David Shepard, the good shepherd from CBS Sports. We're going to talk NBA action with him. So, so many great guests on the way. And all of these episodes are going to be posted to YouTube very soon. We've got a great intro and outro coming for you. So starting the episode with Paige Kuhn and then Joe Lenardi, Jamie Chadwell, Chris Budden, David Waters, Kelsey Riggs, Lauren Sisler, Hannah Newhouse, Tara Talmadge, Pat Smith. All of those episodes are going to be posted to YouTube as soon as we get the intro and outro. So you're going to want to make sure that you're subscribed to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel or if you prefer the audio version. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like. We're just so thankful to have you on board. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.